from the newsroom of South Coast Today. This is ST Speaks, a podcast diving deeper into the news of the day and covering hot button issues that matter to you. You're listening to ST Speaks. All right, this is our politics with Jack Spillane, and I'm here uh, this evening, Thursday evening, with former Mayor Scott Lang. And we're going to talk a little bit about the New Bedford election, the referendum, and uh, politics in general for a bit. Welcome, Mayor Lang. Thanks very much. I call me Scott, as you know, and happy to be here with you always. And he knows I always call him Scott when, I, when we're off camera. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, uh, we've disagreed a little bit this year on the referendum question. The editorial board came out the other day with uh, um, the Standard Times position uh, of the editorial board, uh, the editor and the managing editor myself, um, uh, about the four-year mayoral term. Um, and you have a different position, so... Why don't you tell us a little bit about about your thinking on that, and you know why you disagree with us? Sure, uh, and you know, Jack, we've we've agreed on a lot of things over the years. Disagreed. I'm always anxious to read the Standard Times, think about what your uh, position is, and always consider it. And uh, want to tell everyone I read your column, you know, on Sundays and then during the week now, and always uh, it's provocative. And and uh, around town, around New Bedford, if you say, have you? read Jack's column, everyone knows it's Jack Spillane, you know, so I, I, I like the whole idea of that. I think it's important. You and, you and my mother, God rest her soul, my sister's never read it. <laughs> really? All right, so we'll ask your sister to consider it. But um, I think this two-year versus four-year term is really important. I think it's a structural uh, change in government that needs a little bit more uh, thought than simply... Uh, you know, the, the period of time that you would examine a ballot question, which in New Bedford down has probably been about a month, a month and a half, really. I think there have been two or three stories in the paper. There haven't been any debates. I had said early on, gee, I'll go anywhere, debate or discuss this, you know, at any given time. And I'm happy that I consider this to be an opportunity. I think that it separates the, uh, uh, the mayor from the people in that the only time that you, you can really count on a review of a mayor's term, a review of the uh, issues that face the city, and I've always, you know, grouped them into into uh, the four legs of the table, which are as important as each other all the time, and some are more important than others at any given time. But it's uh, you know, it's public safety, education, uh, neighborhood revitalization, it's uh, it's economic development uh, within any of those sub uh, within any of those main categories. Uh, is, you know, taxes. Um, it, it could be, you know, for someone in a neighborhood, uh, noise, potholes. It could be lighting. It could be uh, trash. It could be, it could be uh, an appliance, a TV on the street. So it's really important, uh, you know, for each person in the city to feel that they have a say and the ability to weigh in. And the way we've done that now for almost 100 years is, or a little more than 100, I should say, is uh, every two years there are major debates. Every two years there are candidates uh, on the ballot for mayor. It may start out in, in a multi-candidate uh, field, and then it ratchets down to two individuals. But they get a chance to debate. They hear from the people. They're out campaigning. And uh, the people get to grade how that person's doing every two years. There are very few jobs that you're not graded, you know, literally on a, on a monthly or you know, by yearly basis, whatever it might be. Um, this is an opportunity for the voters to weigh in. And with all the issues that face every urban city in America, 
New Bedford is not unique. We have issues like everyone else. We handle our issues, I think, a lot better. We've been lucky. I think we have pretty good uh, leadership in the city. You know, it can always be better. Every one of us can do a little better job. But we've always been responsive to the voters. It doesn't seem to hurt mayors to campaign. Um, I think it's part of your job. I think every day you should be out there doing your best, showing the voters why. And, you know, voters, citizens of the city, taxpayers, I mean, they're all lumped together. Uh, why you're working on their behalf. You work for them. They're your boss. And it seems to me that it's not too much to ask a mayor every two years to be up for election and let the voters decide how you're doing. If you're doing a good job, I think the mayor, the mayor is rewarded with another term, man or woman, whoever it would be. If they're not doing a good job, maybe it'll make you a better mayor because, you know, the results may be a little closer. And if you're really not doing a good job, maybe then someone else gets that, gets that chance. So, I think it's important uh, in a democracy to have voter participation as much as possible. So that's why I favor the two-year versus the four. It, in, in a hands-on job that everyone in the city depends on, it seems to me that determining every four years whether you like the direction of the city, whether you like those budgets that have gone on, whether you like how the school department is doing or how the police or fire or whatever it might be, DPW, every four-year review is a little too long. I, I like the two-year I also think that I've heard lately that, well, if we get the four-year term, then we can start talking about building in a recall provision. You know, that's, that's, that's a disaster. That's not part of this. That's not part of this. But I heard the other day someone explaining it and said, you know, the other, th the other thing we'll do after, if this passes, we can talk about a recall. Uh, I'm completely against the idea of a recall. A recall is an every two-year election. But a recall, if, if you have a recall, recall instituted in your... Uh, city charter, you're going to end up in a situation like we've seen in Fall River where you have, you know, three mayors in the course of a year and a, a month or two. I believe a two-year election is appropriate. I don't think it should dissuade anyone from running for mayor. I think that people, if you want to be mayor, you love being with the people. You love being out there. You love interacting. You love being at the events. You love having people in your office. Uh, it shouldn't be inconvenient to think you've got to run. And, 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 and one last thing, Jack, that... Uh, it seems to me that uh, I love the Standard Times, right? That from the first day I moved in the city, I relied on the Standard Times. It used to come in the afternoon, now it comes in the morning. Uh, the first thing you grab, you read it. Uh, the Standard Times, as all newspapers around the country, has consolidated its ability to cover day-to-day -day events. So we need a vi really absolutely viable press. But when you have a two-year term, it seems to me that you've got the ability of the press to stay on issues, focus on issues, and continue the, the people leading, hopefully drive the debate, but the press can cover it, even with the limited resources. A four-year term, things seem, things seem to drift, you know, you don't have the coverage. We've had great coverage, I think, of the campaign. More coverage than we've had, say, in the last year has been focused the last few months because we have a campaign. I like the idea that people debate, look at issues, consider issues. I like the idea that this is on the ballot. I think it's great. I, I, I don't like the idea that someone would have walked this in some back door. It's important to be on the ballot. But I do want people to be able to think about it, discuss it. This is only my opinion. I'm voting no. Uh, I can't tell you uh, uh, how to vote. I just can tell you how I feel. I served as mayor. Uh, I, got a, I have a pretty good feel for the job, I think. Uh, Campaigning is not a deterrent to running for mayor or a deterrent for someone, uh, to, you know, to continue to serve as mayor. 
it, it's, it's not a focal point. It's not the issue that should drive anyone away. At the same time, uh, we, we tried to um, make the point that sometimes the city council can tie up a mayor. Uh, we uh, even used the example of in your last year, for eight months they right. would not approve any of your reasonable uh, recommendations for city boards and commissions. They very reasonable, I think. Right? <laughs> yeah, they're very reasonable. They finally did them after the election was right. uh, was over, right. and they it, it appears they were trying to get some sort of leverage over you uh, on something. I don't know what, but um, uh, in a two-year period, it's easier for the council to bottle up a mayor than in four, in four years. Uh, so uh, if you have to wait four years, the public is not going to stand for the city council not approving right. any uh, appointments for so, so I think that's four years. A, I think that's a great point. I, I'll say this, though. The reason that they bottled me up was because I announced that I wasn't running for a fourth term. Okay. So they knew that that was going to be my last year, and they did come in and say, we, you know, we'd like to try and work some things out your last year, and I tried to be as accommodating as I could. But the fact is, with a, you know, and if you had a four-year term, your last year... If they knew you weren't running, they would still, if they're disposed to it, bottle up. Because maybe they were hoping to get somebody that they thought would be more amenable to, to, to things. More amenable, or they figured let the new person come in and have a, a free reign. You know, I, I tried to stay away from doing any kind of long-term appointments my last year. If I had a commission that, that needed for a proxy or needed to conduct business somebody, uh, I wanted to make sure I appointed them. But I did not want to saddle whoever was coming in, and we had great candidates running then, and, and John Mitchell ended up running and winning. You know, I have Tony Cabral, another great candidate. Linda Morad was, was in that group. Uh, so I had no doubt they'd appoint good quality people, and they did. And some of the people that I had appointed, they, they uh, carried over. So I don't think that's a two- or four-year issue. I think that that's a, what they would call a lame duck issue, mm -hmm. where someone has said they wouldn't run. When I announced I wasn't going to run again, which was when I was running for the third term, not when I got elected, but when I was running, I said, I'm going to run one more term, then i got to get back to my you know, private life again. Um, I think you asked me, well, do you think you're going to be a lame duck? I said, I'll, I'm going to quack like heck all through this process, and, I, and I'm going to still run the city the way I think is in the best interest. I'm not going to shy from anything, you know. At one time, New Bedford had a one-year mayor. That's and, right. And uh, also had a, a board of aldermen in addition to the selectmen. Right. So governments change over time. Uh, right. uh, in the beginning of the, the country, they had the two-year House of Representatives, the four-year executive, the six-year Senate, because they, they were a little bit mistrustful of letting the people do, do everything because of the, the passions of the mob or whatever. Do you have any reservations that the people, you know, we've just had Donald Trump elected president sometimes get it wrong? People get it. People might have got it wrong when they elected me, right? I mean, the, the point is, I think that uh, it's up to the people. You work for the people. You're a public servant. You serve the people. So, my gut feeling on this is that uh, a great newspaper, media, uh, people getting out there, educating themselves about the candidates. We usually have very high quality candidates. Uh, promote uh, a democracy. Promote citizen activism. So, I think it's really important. I don't think it's the terms. Uh, the, if so the mayor is do doing a good so many, job, so many places where they have four-year governors or mayors. Well, governors, I think, are important. It's a much bigger geographic area. It used to be two in, years. In, in some places, it was, but I think it's a much bigger geographic area. I mean, Rhode Island still has a two-year mayor, right? A two-year governor, rather. Do they? I think they do. Yeah. Massachusetts had one when I was growing up. Yeah. So, so, so what it comes down to, though, in that, the G, look, New Bedford, basically, I can get right now. We hop in the car. We go up to the north end, it'll take 15 minutes. Go down the south end, it'll take from the north end 
20, you know, 25 minutes to get there. The geographic area isn't that big that you have to say, gee, campaigning would be a problem. The idea that you would end up in a situation where on a day-to-day basis you're responsible to the people. I mean, the mayor is responsible. The mayor is where the rubber meets the road. Uh, It seems to me to have a four-year term to determine whether or not they're doing a good job uh, doesn't make sense for the people. It would make sense maybe for a mayor, but not the people. Now, the interesting thing is, though, that in our, in our case, since literally in our lifetimes, I believe it's only happened twice in New Bedford that a, a first-term mayor didn't get reelected. Judge Rogers and I think um, Brian Lala had a term and a half. To, Brian Lala finished out John Markey's term, then had a full term, and then it was beat by John Bullard. And Judge uh, Rogers was thrown out after one term. George Rogers was, was beat after one term. That seems to me, for whatever reason, and both I know both those men, and I know they tried their hardest, and George still is involved or tries to be involved in electoral politics. I don't think he's on the ballot this year. He's been on the ballot very recently. Uh, for whatever reason, the voters didn't believe that they were doing the people's bidding, so they voted them out. That's a good thing. That, that's a strong, strong system. Everyone else, though, their first term, their second term, and in many cases their third term, if they're doing a good job, if they're trying their hardest to serve the people, let's put it that way, because good job, bad job is, is, is something that you reflect on many, many, many years later. But if they connect with the voters, they're trying their hardest to serve the interest of the people. The New Bedford voters are very, very supportive. So it seems to me to take away their right to vote, and that's basically what this would be. You would be voting to give up your right to vote every two years. I just don't find to be meritorious. I also find it to be um, an issue that that may in fact be important, may be important to study, may be important to think of, maybe governments evolve, maybe democracies evolve. But right now, we really have issues in, in our city, in our state, in our country that I'd really think come before whether or not the mayor should have to run every two years. And that could be everything from, uh, you know, the sustainability of municipal budgets. Uh, the, the, that then relates to the tax rate. Uh, education, which relates to, to, to the economic development and the sustainability of neighborhoods because we have to keep our kids here. Um, the whole infrastructure issue in our city. These are really important issues that are, very, that are directly involve everyone. And it seems to me that that's the kind of debate that I think takes precedent over should I elect a mayor for a four-year term versus a two-year term. Someone well, used, you said you're glad you're, it's on the ballot. Right? I'm glad it's on the ballot because I think people, it's been on the ballot 20, 24 years ago or whatever it was. Let's, let's do it again. I'm happy it's on the ballot. I, I wouldn't want uh, you know, a mayor in the city council saying, that's it, we just gave up your right to vote every two years. The people have to make up this decision. What do the people decide? I'm, I'm going to respect. What about if it's narrow? If it's narrow? Uh, whoever wins, wins. Whoever loses, loses in the, in the system that we have. I mean, the, uh, I'll put it this way. If you remember, the last referendum we had that I really uh, had a focus on was the fluoride referendum. Okay. And I took office, and I said at the time it should be subject to a referendum because originally the former administration, the Kalis administration, had gone ahead and given it the okay. And I said, you know, I'd feel much better if this was a referendum so I know what the people are thinking about. I studied that issue. I said, I think we can deliver fluoride to the kids in the city, which is the population you're really targeting, uh, without putting it in the water. That's my opinion. But, you know, whatever the voters indicate on this, I'm going to implement to the fullest extent. 
within the chemical, you know, variations, right? I'm not a scientist, but I, whatever they decide, we'll do. And that's exactly what we did. So the so the voter, I, uh, they're the ones who make the decision, and then from that point on, everyone has to abide by it and live by it. And they had voted against it before, but they voted for it. That's right. And and time. and the Standard Times, the first editorial, back in the in the uh, late 70s when they first voted on fluoride, said. We're going to leave this one up to the voters. They should make up their own mind on this, you know. So it's so it's interesting. You didn't do that the last time, though. right? The last time, but the last time, I'll say this though: the last time the editorial that supported it was a very guarded editorial. It basically said there are an awful lot of benefits for it. There are some studies that say that it might uh, have uh, you know detrimental effects on people, but by and large, we believe that this is effective. In, in the deterrent of tooth decay in kids, so we're gonna we're gonna support it, and we ask you to make up, you know, basically make up your own mind. This is ours. So the Standard Times has never said you vote this way, period. You know, as if they're talking to a subservient class. You've always said this is our opinion. We hope that you would consider our view, and it's great. Yeah, and it, and and I think that's the way it should be. I want to ask you about this year's mayoral race. Um, uh, John Mitchell and Charlie Perry, two strong candidates. What do you think? I think uh, Charlie Perry being a complete newcomer to the electoral process has obviously done uh, well. I think the mayor has, uh, in all honesty, the mayor's toughest job is running against himself, which is what I think happens, you know, when you have a couple of terms in. Uh, I think there's some things that the mayor's done that I certainly applaud. There's some things that I might have done differently, but still hopefully end up in the same spot that he, that he, he would be, uh, you know, he ends up in. Um, I think that the election's been quiet, which uh, makes me feel that uh, the candidates have to do more. The candidates should have done a better job educating the voters on where they stand. Running it doesn't seem quiet right now. No, no, but a week out before the election yeah. seems to me to be a missed opportunity to educate and really debate the issues and find out what the voters' concern about it. If you're if you're playing for the last two minutes of any game, it seems to me a anything can happen, and b you may not get the same type of result as if you've gone, you know, very hard from the very beginning. Unless you have Tom Brady. Unless you have Tom Brady. That's right, unless you have Tom Brady. So I, I think that, uh, by and large, um, you know, small turnout, although I, I highly question our, our universal number. You know, I think yes. our number may be higher than it, than it actually is. But a small turnout regardless, everyone's got to get to vote. If we have young men and women right now defending our right to vote, our freedoms. If throughout the, our, our country was founded on the basic right of uh, franchise, the ballot, we have, it took a long time, but 100 years ago we, we uh, said without women voting, we're an incomplete society. So we have had now a 100-year tradition of everyone voting in this country that's eligible to vote. To not exercise that franchise is, first of all, very dangerous because you're taking for granted a right that is very, very precious. And secondly, it's very dangerous because it's hard to complain if you don't vote. And if you have a complaint, go vote. So I, I urge everyone to vote, number one. Number two, I do think it's an exciting election. We have a mayor who's worked very hard now for the past six years. He, he is looking to work uh, another two at this point on our behalf. You have a challenger who's pointed out issues that, regardless of what happens, will make the current mayor, if he's reelected, a better mayor. So it's an important process. If, if the newcomer gets elected, I suppose he'd be just like me. He'd have to figure out from day one 
what direction, you know, he has a direction, he's, he's enunciated, but how you go ahead and get it done. But that's part of the challenge. That's the excitement of a transition. That's the excitement of, of a new leader. Uh, but I, I'm hoping people go vote, and then however they vote, I think the, I think the election has been, you know, has been respectful. I'm hoping they vote, and whoever's elected, they support that person. Would you like to make an endorsement? Uh, you know what? I, I decided uh, when it comes to mayor, back when I first said I would not run for, you know, I'll, I'll run for three, I'm not going to run for four. I don't know if I said at that time, at this time, but, but I know that I said I'll run for a third term, I'm not going to run for a fourth. I don't know if I said at this time, Jack. I have to remember that, but I have to look. But the point is this, that I said I, I wouldn't endorse the, the uh, successor, and I, throughout the campaign process, I haven't endorsed candidates for mayor. On occasion, if I see something at the council level that I think is really important, I may go to a counselor's fundraiser and say, I, I really think you've done a great job, or I'll send counselors individual campaign contributions because I think they've done a good job in the people's house. But uh, I don't endorse for mayor. I don't, I don't see you know, doing that. So we have a great guy who's uh, holding the camera with my it's hand. been terrific here. for us. And so I'm going to ask just two quick questions yes. and, and, and give him a rest. Uh, uh, the first is um, you have not made endorsements since you've been mayor, but you've been a different kind of mayor uh, at former mayor in that you've been much more vocal than other former mayors were used to. I'm not saying one's right uh, or the other, but in recent years at least, the, uh, of course we did have the era of um, Mayor Ashley who came and went and came and went, mm. and you kind of had the impression that he remained involved in politics. But we've had in recent years mayors who, who when they left were not terribly involved in politics, although they might make an, um, a statement now and then. But you've been much more visible with your videos and, and, and all. Um, uh, you comfortable with that? Because it is a different model. Okay. Yeah, I think it's important. I think I think I have a first of all. I have, since I since nineteen seven December of seventy one, I decided I'd get involved in some way in public opinion, uh, you know, formulation and giving my opinion. I went in seventy two, worked for Humphrey, and then you know I had a period where I worked on national politics. So I've always been involved in expressing an opinion. I thought, you know, for a period of time when I was mayor, I think it was probably three days I didn't say anything, and then I went after the DE, you know, DESE on, uh, uh, on God rest his soul, uh, the commissioner, uh, Commissioner uh, Chester. Chester. And, uh, and I got to know Commissioner Chester while I was mayor, and then I got to know him uh, well after I left office and actually had a good friendship with him. And he w was involved in a few very important things, um, that affected our educational system that I really appreciated. And so I want to tell people that when I said I, three days after I left office, I wrote a letter that basically said I thought that he was um, uh, too intent on finding uh, fault with uh, teachers who were trying, you know, to adhere to these uh, testing standards. Um, so I did have a quiet period of three days, and I and I I do concede that, Jack. But I think I've learned an awful lot about the city, the people who I, I love. The city, I love the people. I think we have a great city. Mayors come, mayors leave office. If they leave office and they're young, right, and they're, and they're, and they're young, and I know you and I have gray hair, but we still think we're young. I do think we ought to express our opinion. I don't express it to hurt anybody in any way, and I hope the voters will always make up their own mind. But there's some things, whether on education, that I feel strongly about. Um, 
If you ask me to express my opinion now about the chief, I think the chief does a great job. I've known him for a long time. Chief Cordero. Yes, absolutely, Chief Cordero. I've known him for a long time. I mean, since he was a kid, he is a very good man. I think he's working hard. Uh, he's, he's like all of us, I'm sure, on any given day, someone can find fault with something that they have done. But by and large, I think the city's lucky to have him. Tough time for him right now. Uh, and and there's, it shouldn't be because he has a tough enough job as it is. And I mean, if, if, if for some reason, whatever, someone... Uh, came forward and said, look, I, I believe for the following reasons, X, Y, or Z, whoever it might be, uh, is you know is not the right fit for our city government, then naturally everyone should take a look at it. Um, but you can have personality uh, you know, issues with people. You can, you can be, uh, you know, every day that, that office comes with uh, a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, uh, day-to-day controversy. But I think that from my perspective, knowing him, being involved in law, and, uh, you know, law enforcement since 1978 to 1990 with the DA's office, being the titular head, basically, of the police department from 06 to the beginning of 12, uh, I believe that Chief Codero is, is, a, is a good choice for chief, and I, I believe that, you know, barring some completely unforeseen type of uh, development, I believe that the police department has a good leader and the police department can work with that leader. So that that's an opinion that I haven't shared before, but now that you asked, I wanted to I wanted to indicate it. And you said say whatever you want. And that falls into that category. So I do support our chief. Okay, I know people can have differences, but I support our chief. I've known him a long time. I know his family. Now, as far as and if I didn't, by the way, I'd tell you. Okay, and you would. know that. So here's here's what I want to say though, that I uh, am on. I have a a uh, website, scottwline.com. I have um, to have people realize that I have some uh, opinion pieces and writings on my website. I have a Twitter account that lets people know. But I'm not saying who should win American Idol on my Twitter account. And I'm not getting up in the middle of the night and ending any Twitter statement with the word sad, okay? (laughs) So I'm not doing that. I want to tell you that's definite. The other thing is I have a Facebook page which basically, again, is designed to move uh, people if they're, if they're interested in hearing what I have to say. I love the kids who went out and bought and, and got the uh, signatures on the ballot. I disagree with the position. I want people to know that I think, you know, democracy in action is fantastic. The, the younger people getting involved is fantastic. But please consider my opinion, say, on that issue. I have been driving hard on the Democratic National Committee. I believe yes. the Democratic National Committee that was my has, last question. has abrogated its responsibilities to the American people. It's, it's basically the, the face of the Democratic Party. It's the structure of the Democratic Party. I think they've let everybody in the country down. Have you heard about Donna Brazil's book? It just sounds amazing that the fix was in for Hillary Clinton. It's just breaking today. Okay, so uh, I, I've been saying that the fix was in yeah. two years ago on, on TV. Uh, I ran the delegate selection process for Robert Strauss, who was the chair. Uh, the, the, even web goes back, web searches go back far enough that you can read about that and read about how we changed the rules. McGovern Fraser Commission back in 68 to 72, then the, the, and the O'Hara Commission with the rules and the charter of the DNC. And then when I came to work with the DNC in 73, all those, the new Mikulski rules were all in effect. I was in charge of implementing basically a Democratic Party uh, open, transparent delegate selection process with the 1964 Civil Rights Act and Voting Act. 
to make sure that all the state parties came into compliance. Yes, I've never, Fred. I've never, I've, and I really do on that. It's kind of interesting. And I used to say, uh, I, it means nothing except every four years. Now it means something all the time. Because once the party fixed the process, it means something all the time to understand that they did fix it, they betrayed everyone. I'm not saying Bernie Sanders should have been elected. I don't even know if Bernie Sanders, quite honestly, I never thought of him as a Democrat. I thought of him as an independent. But there would have been, what did Republicans have, 16 candidates who thought they could be president? The Democrats would have had 16 candidates who thought they would have been pres- could be president. And if it was a fair and open process, one of them would have been nominated. We would have had a stronger candidate. It could have been, for all I know, it could have been Clinton, fair and square. She would have had more support. But when you rig the process, the people rebel, and the people rebelled either by staying at home or voting for the alternative. And I wrote about this, and actually the Standard Times published it last year. I called called it the Democratic Party's Path Forward. And you've been saying similar things to me for a year. Right. And, Jack, I, I feel like I should be hawking some sort of product, you know, that I should hawk <laughs> something up. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm hawking the idea that everybody's got to get involved and demand. If we have a two-party system, and if that's what we have, they have to be two legitimate parties. They can be big tents, but they have to have due process. They have to be fair. And you can't put your finger on the thumb, and on thumb on the scale, rather, and then say, why didn't we elect our nominee? Insult people's intelligence. They, they really played everyone for a sucker, and it's a disgrace. Now, I'm going to say something today to you that I haven't said to anyone. I'm going to call for, and this is in the next couple of days, I'm going to call for a moratorium on any contributions to the DNC. Wow. Now, that's interesting because who the heck am I? Well, I am a Democrat who's been a, a lifelong Democrat and has supported the DNC as a staff member and then as an advisor, a lawyer, all my life, all my professional life. I'm going to call for a moratorium on any more contributions to the DNC until the DNC comes clean. Chairman Perez knew right after he was elected what happened. He should have been the one. It shouldn't be coming out in Brazil's book, which you just told me about, but it's been coming out in dribs and drabs, right? It should have come out that day. An inquest should have been done. Perez should have said, where everybody who is involved goes, we're changing this. We'll have a midterm conference next year, which is what I believe we need to rev up. So bring together a conference of Democrats around the country. Let them all be elected. Let's reshape the Democratic Party. Let's get the young leaders in. And when I say young leaders, that's not by age. I mean new leaders, let's say. The new leaders in, and let's go. Nancy Pelosi's got to go. Chuck Schumer, you know, they're both leaders. They both should have places. But as far as being the symbols of the DNC or the symbols of the Democratic Party, rather, we need new people. And, and until we realize that, we're not going to resonate because we've lost the faith of the people. So, so my gut feeling on this is that's something I will be involved in. I didn't realize that this two-year versus four-year was going to be something that I'd be talking about. You know, I thought that my, well, my goal this year... You know, no, no, I don't mean here today. I mean over the last few months. My, my, my emphasis, my focus, has been on the national party structure Absolutely. and how we take back either the House or Senate or something as a fail-safe against the Trump administration. And it has been. And I'll just point out here that Scott Lang is a national figure in terms of he has connections with the National Party. He is good friends with Paul Kirk, who was the interim senator. He has been involved in the delegate selection process since the um, late 70s, late 60s. No, yes. Uh, and so he has these connections, both in the state and the National Party. And if this um, Democrat from a, a city like New Bedford... Uh, uh, a post-industrial city, blue-collar Democrats uh, is saying this. The party, it seems to me, needs to listen. 
It, it needs to be completely overhauled. It really does. It's a heartache to me because you always relied on, on basically the Democratic Party to represent the people, and instead the Democratic Party became, in essence, uh, a, a party driven by consultants, a party driven by the status quo, people who were afraid to even talk about change because they thought it could cost, cost them their position. And we lulled ourselves into complacency, and now we have a Trump administration that I think is extremely dangerous for uh, not only our, our democracy, the concept of our democracy, which means participation of people, uh, free press, free assembly, you know, free speech. I mean, just a very also basic concept. The cohesion of the country it's, as a united entity. The, the United States of America is the divided states of America every time the president gets up and goes to a podium or tweets something out. I mean, the job of a president, job of a mayor, by the way, is to bring people together. It's kind of a head of state in a way. Absolutely. The mayor's job is to bring people together, empower them, say let's work together to solve problems. On a national level, it's a little bit bigger. Two-year term for president is a little too big, a, a geographic area. But on a national level, the only thing that counts for the president is to be able to bring people together. When people look at the president, they should have confidence that he, that he is basically looking out for my interests, okay, no matter who it is. The smallest person, the tallest person, the richest, the poorest, everyone should look at the White House and say, we know that stands for the United States, and right now it doesn't. And I, I blame the Democrats as much as anybody for that. Yeah, you just heard it from former Mayor Scott Lang. The Democratic Party needs to reform itself. Thanks for being here today, Scott. Right. Thanks for asking me, Jack. I appreciate it very much. Thanks.